All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. I'm your host, Brandon, joined my host, Nick and Dan. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an emergency pod. That is right. Here we go. Has landed. Moises Casado officially going to be a Chelsea player, which uh, if you would have asked me uh, the, the 48-hour version of me, Dan, I would have said, he gone. It was fun while it lasted. <laughs> Look, things change. The transfer market uh, happens. It evolves. We, it's, this is the reverse Rafinha. Last year was us on a bit of the backwards end of a transfer deal and something kind of thinking that we thought was going to be done actually happening. And Nick, this time we're here celebrating that the club and Pochettino get the guy that they wanted and Chelsea now have an epic midfield pairing with Enzo Fernandez and Moises Caicedo. I'm celebrating that we won't have to talk about this anymore on a summer transfer pod. I'm excited about that. I'm excited to, to, to now get a move on to other topics because I think we've probably said the word Caicedo 1,000 times this summer. What's the over-under? And now he's a Chelsea player, so you're going to say it 1,000 times more. Because <laughs> yeah. he's, he's going to be here for the next 10 years, which <laughs> <Yeah>. is great. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, eight so years plus one NBD. We'll get into the details, but uh, <laughs> as, as we wrote out here, you talk about a crazy trans talk. You thought succession was over, but Brighton, Chelsea, and Liverpool had other ideas with Senor Moises Casado. Uh, we're going to break down the details of the deal, how the saga unfolded, and what we think this might mean for a couple of other players on Chelsea. So let's jump into it, Dan. Quick ask. Easy ask. It's actually pain-free. Well, I mean, look, it's leaving five-star views on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's subscribing on YouTube because, look, we're past 27,000 now. We'd love to be at 30,000. And you know, also hit the bell icon to get notified when we release a new episode because there's gonna be a lot this week i feel like this is going to be a pretty busy week and you want to get the video as soon as it drops and you can support the podcast on patreon.com forward slash london blue pod join our wonderful discord community i did have to slow mode them over the past couple of days because the news was just coming a little too quickly and uh, the slow mode is now over they are they are back to their normal speed well now they know who to complain to because uh it definitely wasn't me so let them fly baby did we say Caicedo too many times? Was that was that the problem, Dan? No, no. Okay. I, I was perfectly fine with the number of Caicedos we were, we were referencing. <laughs> well, uh, let's go ahead and get the immediate reactions of this one uh, <laughs> because um, a lot of emotions have happened, especially we thought we had him, then the Liverpool jumped in, and then we're about to play Liverpool, and then Caicedo said, nah, I'm good, I don't want him. There's a pro- you probably had a lot of feelings, Nick, if, if we're being honest, over this, this uh, last 72 hours at a minimum. Uh, yeah, I mean, we went from thinking we had a free run at the player to thinking we lost the player in one of the all-time transfer bungles of uh, recent memory. And then uh, we got the player for about $25 million more than we were originally going to pay. So, you know, it is what it is. It's... Uh, I think it's probably the biggest... I was thinking about this, Dan. It's probably the biggest transfer saga we've had since Fernando Torres, maybe, back in 2012. I'm I'm trying to think of one that had this many twists, turns, up, downs, drama here, drama there, agent here, agent there. There's rumors that he has two agents, one that will tell you the truth, one that will tell you lies. 
uh, all this sort of nonsense. And on top of it, you have Brighton, who have previously fleeced us for uh, players uh, such as Kukurea, um, and uh, in return got Billy Gilmore and uh, and Levi Colwell on loan for you know pennies on the dollar. So uh, yeah, it's it's been um, it's really been something. Um, I I genuinely don't know if there's another transfer that has annoyed me to this level ever but I am very glad that it is done um, just from a overall drama storyline perspective. It's also, as you will go through in your timeline later, one of the longest pursuits uh, in, in recent memory as well. So I think there's the excitement around the player that mm-hmm. is very, very helpable. I think that is the part that you have to, that we're talking about and couching the fact that the negotiation felt stupid at times in terms of the progress that was made, the race that ended up working itself into existence out of nowhere that leaves people maybe unhappy with it. But I think at the end of the day, we're recording this, you know, on the evening of the 13th after Chelsea have played Liverpool to a draw that there's a lot of promise in this Chelsea side this season and just replaying the match today with Moises Caicedo in there, you can see how incredible it's going to be. So I think the excitement level is phenomenal. We saw Enzo Fernandez on Instagram. He's been liking the post about Caicedo coming to Chelsea. We know he's excited to have that as a partner, uh, him as a partner in the midfield with him as well. So it's just separating the two schools, right? There's the school of the way the transfer deal went down, which was kind of crazy, wild, Dumb at times, very dumb at other times, and ended up getting to the right solution or end, end solution for us as Chelsea supporters. And then there's the actual player, which the excitement level is off the charts for right now. I think it is uh, a big bat to to use against the other big teams. We are not in Champions League. We are not in Europa League. And Moises Caseta said, I want Chelsea. Grant to Liverpool in the Europa League. But it's Europe. It's something. It's a lot closer than we are. Their squad is definitely a lot closer to the final product than than ours is. But we've got a six-year runway with a lot of players. And Casado sees this deal and once wanted to come join our project. So if nothing else, from a Bance perspective, it feels good that he chose Chelsea. Liverpool were there with the money. They had the briefcases. They had the brink truck. He said, nope. I want Chelsea. That's the project I want. I think that is massive when it comes to this. It's not the first time it's happened. Uh, There's many in recent memory. Obviously, William's got a song about it. Uh, But there are multiple, multiple players who've chosen Chelsea over opposition teams. And I think that, to me, is the biggest kind of like bell to ring uh, right now because the financials and the other things are are probably more of a a less of a positive. But, you know, he, he chose blue, and that's awesome. You also like, I mean, yeah, one that is great because we have had players, <clears throat> Lukaku, in recent memory who uh, clearly don't want to be at Chelsea, and that is very upsetting to all of us. So it is it is fantastic. We also now have the most expensive midfield of all time. So if you want to think about it that way, um, that's pretty cool. Is that and including both... Nkunku or just those two? <laughs> no, well, no, just those two. Nkunku was a steal. He was only like fifty-two million. He was that was a that was a day in the park. But um, you, you think about it, the you know Enzo 
22 now. Caicedo, 21. You got guys on huge contracts, long-term contracts, who could potentially be the future midfield of Chelsea for you know the next six, seven years. And you Two know, Champions Leagues, three <laughs> Champions Leagues, four Champions Leagues. I, I don't even know if I can stop counting at this point what the All potential right. is. Hey, LeBron, uh, chill out. And uh, I think... Uh, the, the, the good thing about that is, and Dan, we've talked about this before, these these players are both overpays relative to what the market would have suggested they were when they made their move. They just flat out are, we can just say it out loud, but they're overpays because Chelsea failed to have adequately rebuild the midfield with an aging crop of players that have now moved on, and we are paying for those past sins, right? Like, this is now in a spot where we have two young bright, talented midfielders. We're going to form a really unique and dynamic partnership in the Premier League. We saw a little bit of what Enzo could do uh, today, and it was just stunning. And so it's like, this is essentially, to me, signaling Chelsea Football Club is now officially built around Enzo Fernandez, right, as as the key marker in the team. You went out and got someone in Moises Caicedo who is basically going to allow Enzo to be as Enzo-y as he can be and that signals a that's a big move, right? You know, he was formerly the world's most most expensive midfielder, and now his partner is, and you know, it signals that you know the team is really going to run through Enzo. Yeah, I don't think that's a surprise. And to the point you made about Chelsea have not invested in the midfield appropriately over the past few seasons. We know that Saul was brought in from Atletico Madrid on loan when you could have had Schumeni come in from Monaco. And we see what he's been able to do at Real Madrid. There was an opportunity to do some of this for less previously. And because we chose to invest in different areas on the pitch and didn't address this appropriately, you know, to me, all of this is just we've backloaded the funding to now to get the players we needed two, three, four seasons ago to really upgrade this midfield to remain competitive. And you saw it in the match today that a midfield is one of the most important things in the Premier League for maintaining control of the game. And I think that's the point where, as we talk about the summary of the deal, Brandon, that, that's why it's so exciting to have these two, 21-22, the partnership that they will forge will push Chelsea forward throughout this season in domestic results and across Europe next season. There's no doubt about it. You know, uh, super exciting players. Uh, you know, we talked about just how, how big of a deal it was because Enzo's generational. Caicedo feels a little generational as well right now. It's it's uh, the the talent ID and going after the player you want, willing to pay, is is impressive with it. I, like you said, to have such young players that are already at a high level and show so much more promise is is fascinating. Uh, because I'm trying to think of like the last time Chelsea we feel like we really got a a big steal on a young player you know, from Europe or another Premier League team. And uh, it might just be Eden Hazard, right? I mean, the last big one, and, and Golo Kante potentially, but he was a little bit older by that time anyway. So it's probably Eden Hazard, and that, we know what he went on to do. That $30 million for N'Golo Kante every year feels just like the biggest steal of all time. <laughs> it really uh, does. For sure. Nine years from now, when players are going for half a billion dollars, yeah. this $100 million pounds that we spend is going to feel like nothing. That humble thirty million that we got in Gola for, man, 
What a time to be alive. Yeah. Well, speaking of his art, he was at the bridge. Uh, anyways, we're going to take our first break. When we get back, let's run through the actual details of the deal uh, and where we landed. So thank you to the sponsors, and we'll be right back. There is no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. One of the things I love about Indeed is that they make hiring all in one place. It's easy because, well, candidates you invite are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in the search. When you get one step closer to the hire by immediately matching you with a quality candidate, it makes it go faster. And when you're looking to hire, the quicker you get the right person in the role, the better. So start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That offer is good for a limited time. So claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com forward slash blue wire sports. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast. Indeed.com forward slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, guys. Well, a cool 115 million. I love all the TikTok influencers. Great British pounds. They're like, Pound sterling, royal majesty, his royal majesty's dollars. And you're just like, yeah, it's a lot of really money. really just lost that whole part of the UK listenership has just fallen off a cliff. Hey, check out TikTok. Check your boys. They're a mess over there. But 115 million, which is about 154, 146 million USD, is a lot of money. It eight year plus one, and it's 100 up front. With He's going to be here until he has grandkids, baby. That's what we're doing. <laughs> and $100 million up front with $15 million in potential add-ons. So, Dan, you've been through this over and over and over. Uh, anything you want to splice out that we should touch on when it comes to the structure of the 21-year-old's deal? Well, just that Liverpool did not withdraw their offer. So we know that Liverpool had put in an offer for $110 million as Chelsea had put in an offer for 100 at the initial deadline. And that's why Chelsea had to go above the offer that Liverpool had put in place. And the negotiations that took longer, because I think on Friday maybe we thought we would hear something on Sunday, Saturday. We knew there was the briefing around Chelsea wanted to unveil Moises Caicedo. It was their desire. It was their intent. It was their dream to allow him to be paraded around Stamford Bridge on the set on the Sunday against Liverpool, WWE style, coming out to here comes the money, Shea McMahon. Yeah, you know, look, it was going to be great. Money, it was not money. to happen though. It was not to happen because the negotiation, the terms were really difficult to get into, and this is where Chelsea had to pay more upfront, had to include a sell-on clause, and this is just really. It's a very unique deal and shows, I think, just how much Chelsea wanted the player, Nick, because I think they made a lot of concessions that even with Enzo and wanting Enzo extremely bad, they did not make in that deal. Yeah, I mean, they pushed their own deadline till the very end, and that causes desperation. And when you're desperate, you do shit that you probably wouldn't do, right? Like pay more money and give more concessions and all that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, it's not a surprise that Brighton were already going to get a steal. They bought him for 4.4 million pounds two years ago and they're turning him around for 115, right? So 
I mean, if you think about it, Chelsea were were scared of paying 90 for for the fact that it would look optically worse than what Declan Rice's uh, transfer fee was. Well, they just they just blew that thing up pretty significantly. Uh, I saw a couple of really great tweets around the sell-on clause, though, which were like, of course, he's going to be here until he's a club director, so there will be no sell-on fee for Brighton. <laughs> You're not getting a single more dime from us. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't... I, I think we were all of the same mind throughout the summer, which is, yes, it's going to be expensive, however expensive it was going to be. If this was your guy, go out and get the deal done. And... I think if, if Chelsea look at themselves in the mirror, they only have themselves to blame. They they allowed desperation to creep in. They allowed another bidder to come in, and that elevated the price. And, you know, who knows if, if he, you know, hits all of the markers to get those escalators up to 115 or whatever. We hope he does, right, because that means we're playing really well and that he's met a lot of thresholds and that he's performing to a level. But, I mean, yeah, the deal itself was a mess. I mean, it was a complete and utter disaster from a negotiation standpoint. And we know because we've dealt with this before. We've dealt with this team before. We've dealt with Tony Bloom before that they don't fuck around. They set a price. They don't go below it. And so the only thing that we wasted besides a shit ton of money uh, in addition was a bunch of time, a bunch of time that Moses Caicedo could have had with the team in the preseason and a bunch of time that, you know, potentially he could have played today and, and won us the won us the match. So um, I, that is my criticism of this deal. That's why I sound annoyed is because it just feels like we, you know, waited around to pay more essentially, which is kind of what happened. I think that, uh, yeah, some of it's within their control. Some of it's out of their control. I mean, I think the Liverpool bid completely shocked everybody, but we'd been talking about this for months, which we'll talk about the timeline here in a little bit that you had a free run, get it done. This is definitely the negative side of it. Uh, ben Jacobs tweeting that one other thing to add is the importance in the final negotiations of Vedat Iqbali. After Liverpool's bid, Iqbali took control and dealt directly with Tony Bloom. You just wonder if, again, smart approach, maybe just do that from the beginning with big bids. Not saying everyone, but like the big ones where you're talking CEO executive level approval because it's beyond the budget just do that. <laughs> Think of the other two big deals. Mudrick, same thing, right? And then Enzo, same thing. Like, there's a real trend with, like, the biggest deals require our owners to close, which is a whole other thing. Like, they're kind of like faux sporting directors still to me. It's a, very odd. I, I just appreciate that they they close at the exact moment in the weekend when I went to go disappear for three hours to watch Oppenheimer. I really appreciate <laughs> The tactical acumen. They're like of looking the at their watch. Get it done then. Is, do you think he's in the? Do you think he's in the theater now? All right, let's well, get this fucking deal done. <laughs> if you if you want to feel like they're not trolling you, I did read uh, from Secret Scout that the deal was agreed last night, but they said, "Hey, let's not announce it before the match out of respect for our dead opponents, Liverpool." So uh, <laughs> it might have not oh been God. all on you, Dan. Oh you know, Klopp's reaction. How about this one, Dan? I bet you'll appreciate this. So good. So they asked him if there was anything more he could say about Caicedo and Lavia, because we'll get to his quotes from Friday. One word answer. No. Then Nine. there's a follow-up question about Pochettino wants more players. Question mark. That's what each Chelsea manager wants, and usually they get it. 
That's right. Amazing. Amazing. That's right. I think someone did the Photoshop of the, the 007 meme that Mudrick was getting unfortunately lambasted with last year. It was like, you know, zero no, goals, zero get yeah. assists, seven games. Uh, and they like showed all of the midfield targets that he's gone after, like Bellingham and Enzo. <laughs> like he hasn't got any of them. So who's the real mm-hmm. 007? Yeah, Dan was having fun on the Liverpool message boards uh, over the last couple of days, posting the freakout sessions just, and moments. Look, I, I, I'm just I'm sharing the moments with everybody else. I'm not tro- I'm not actively trolling within their community. I'm just enjoying their reaction to things. Understandably. Very, very understandably. Um, okay, so if this all, just to remind everybody, timeline-wise, this all kicked off, you could say, this past January, a cool eight months ago, eight and a half months ago. Chelsea, we obviously know we needed to reinforce our midfield. Um, at that point, Angolo Conte wasn't signing a contract. Uh, Jorginho had just left. There was a lot of flux, right? Kovacic was injured a lot. Ruben was injured. Like, we didn't know who was going to be in our midfield. So to be fair, like, this has been on the radar for a long time. And and Enzo was the primary target then. But, Dan, as you kind of run us through everything that happened, I like, you should sell this timeline somewhere because it is unbelievably detailed. Maybe a print. Should we do it as a print, a timeline print? <laughs> We could do a timeline print, the timeline of Moises Caicedo to Chelsea. I think there's a couple things. You mentioned the players who wanted to leave, but we know that Caicedo in January was wanted by Arsenal. They attempted to sign him for $60 million. Chelsea had made a £55 million pound verbal offer that was rejected by Brighton. He was not able to move. He did try to go on strike to force the move. The famous Instagram post that basically saying, like, I'm really disappointed that the club can't accept a record fee to allow me to go live my dream and become the best Ecuadorian footballer of all time. That doesn't happen. He signs a new deal instead, gets a handshake agreement for the summer to depart Brighton if the deal comes in at the valuation. We'll mention that one again a little bit later. And then Jorginho leaves. You know, so we, we already have a little bit of a, a smaller midfield. We lose Jorginho. We bring in Enzo. That is definitely a plus positive for us. And I did just want to point out that that was actually when Arsenal paid £12 million for the privilege of bottling the league. So just mm-hmm. a reminder, that, that happened as well. And then Chelsea did at the end of January. That was when we concluded our then record transfer of £106. Point eight million pounds for Enzo Fernandez next. So that was January. That was just January in the Caicedo drama. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a special time post World Cup. Enzo's stock as high as uh, it's ever been, and you know we got bedagged on uh, planes right all over the place to Turkey to get Mudrik to you know to Portugal to get Enzo and and all this sort of stuff. And we paid I, you know I think we had like a four hundred million pound January or something like that is absolutely wild. Bra- brought in Benoit, Badia Shield, brought in Mataweke. Like just having a, a hell of a time with money. You know, just loving it over here. I, I love I love spending their money. It's been it's been a hell of a blast. Uh Dan, what else do we do we pull out of this as, as well? I mean, it was close for him going to Arsenal. Uh but then we get to the summer, right? In in Brighton are a bunch of bastards. Tell you what. Well, so May, we end the season at 12th place. The great squad rebuild is about to begin. We head into June, 1st of June. Chelsea are rejecting bids. We are saying we're Heismaning on the offers from Brighton. 
saying, nah, we're not letting you take Levi Cobalt, 30 million pound bid, rejected. There was the implication that maybe if Chelsea were willing to deal with Cobalt, that there would be leniency in the negotiation or concessions in the negotiation for Caicedo. Then on the third, here's a name that we haven't talked about in a little bit. We were advancing for Manuel Ogarte to come in from sporting as wow. a midfield option for Chelsea. Then on the sixth, or sorry, on the fourth, a day later, we had pulled out of the deal because PSG came in and offered above, quote, Chelsea's market rate, quote. And then it kind of advanced forward. We knew Which, which just frame this up. The above market rate for Ugarte was like 56 million pounds or something like that. It was like yep. not, it was like roughly half of what we end up paying for Caicedo. So, yep. excellent work again. I, would, I mean, but wasn't the consensus that like Caicedo was head and shoulders above Ugarte. Garte yes. was like a bit of sure. a risk. Sure, yes. But still like a highly valued target. It was like him, Rice, and and Caicedo. Yeah. Well, so then on the six, we learned that Brighton were going to increase their bid for $40 million for Colwell. We were still not considering it. In the 15th, we were in the pole position. Everybody's like, Chelsea, you're in the pole position for Moises Caicedo. And that was at the time, and I shared this with our friend Matt Law when he wrote it in the piece, that Tony Bloom was suggesting that Caicedo was valued up to 120 million pounds, which is very close to where we got at the end of all the negotiations. But the expectation from everyone at that time was that Chelsea could get it done by paying north of 80 million from a compromise standpoint. 20th of June, Conte leaves. 22nd of June, personal terms agreed with Caicedo. 27th of June, Kovacic leaves. 29th of June, Mason Mount leaves. So we're bringing in some money. We're releasing some money off the wage bill. We're creating the space for Moises Caicedo in the month of June, Nick. But it definitely felt like it was not close to getting done, even though we were getting indications that the personal terms were done and, and ready to go. I mean, at this point, it was the only name that we were really talking about. You know, it was... We, we didn't have DeSassi on our list, right? Like, there have been some moves made this summer that we were like, oh, that's interesting. A bunch of young players like Angelo brought in, right? And, and of course, we knew Andre Santos was coming in, Malaguzzo, and all these other guys that were bought last year are coming in. But, um, you know, just it was like this is, again, how many pods did we do in the month of June and July where we, where we mentioned the name Moises Caicedo? I mean... 40? Probably <laughs> not that far off. Well, then taking us into July. So beginning of July, direct negotiations begin. Who knows what direct negotiation is? Is it a text message? Is it a WhatsApp? Is it an email? We what does it imply the previous negotiations were then? Indirect? Yeah, intermediaries, I suppose, right? Like sort it out with Caicedo's side first and then go to the club, which apparently is the new way that they do things. <laughs> On 11 July, Caicedo, in an interview, talked about how he'd be open to the Chelsea move. It's a big team. It's true. A very historic team. I can't say no because it's a very big, historic, beautiful team. The city as well is beautiful. So you already knew we were there. He was ready. He wanted to come. On the 14th of June, Chelsea were still the only club in talks to sign Caicedo. There was rejection from multiple journalists, actually, at that time, that Liverpool was in or interested in negotiations for Caicedo. So, like, Liverpool did not just come completely out of nowhere because there were some, at least, people investigating links very, very early, mid-July. Then we get the, the bid, $70 million on the 18th. 
turned down. 18th, Kukurea on Caicedo. It's like, I think he wants to come to Chelsea. Read in the media a lot of times. I have a good relationship with him. He's a good midfield player. If he comes, I think we have a top midfield for a long time. And then, as Nick so much enjoyed on the 21st of July, uh, Deserbi opened his mouth with a couple of quotes. I spoke to Tony Bloom. He told me, the conditions don't change. Moises will stay with us. For me, could be great news. Moises leaves. We'll have to find another player of the same level. And then I didn't give my word for anything. At the moment, I haven't received news that Caicedo can leave tomorrow or in the next week. And then your favorite, Colo including the deal? Question mark? I'd love to play with Colo and Caicedo together. Couldn't possibly speak about any other team's players. Just remember that. It's ridiculous to even assert that he would do that, Dan. It is. And look, he got back into it the next day by saying that Caicedo stays with us until my owner changes mind. No idea of what can happen in the future, but Moises leaves. We have to find the right player. We have to substitute him with a great player because this year we play in Europa League. Unlike Chelsea. Really yeah, just going to the mat. He had, he had a, he had a fun time this summer, but it tell you what, he must have got sunburnt right at the end because it didn't end well for the guy. Yeah, you know, he, I, I tweeted this the other day. Uh, as as everything was wrapping up, uh, he, I think he started to remember that he managed Brighton again, and it upset him. So, well, uh, as Nick, you were saying a couple times in tour, he would get what he deserved, and I think that is very much the case. Uh, this is also when we got the links to Kudus, which we would know later that Brighton would be interested in as well. On the twentieth of July, we heard from Deserby again. I'll happy Moises stays, but we'll play without him. We have to find a way. If another, uh, we'll have to, uh, we will have to be ready to find another midfielder if he leaves. On the 26th of July, Southampton started rejecting bids from Liverpool, this time of $37 million for Romeo Lavia, which also started maybe some of the intertwining that we get to. Chelsea have a third bid on the 27th rejected, £80 million, £75 million plus £5 million in add-ons submitted. And it was rejected apparently via email. So we learned a little bit about the communication <laughs> methods being used. On the 31st no. of July, <laughs> after all the consternation, will they, won't they, Chelsea get the six-year contract agree with Levi Colwell, ending that part of the conversation negotiation. Which is a good, a very good moment but, in this whole By process. the way, I know we've... we've shit on um the process here but i remember us being on tour and this getting done and it it, i mean this of all the things that we're going to talk about today is super crucial this is us putting our foot down and saying no you are not going to get levi colwell on a cut price deal because you want to overinflate the value of another player that you have on your books like we're not going to play that game anymore uh with with us giving you highly prized talent to to kind of move the needle down that you made up arbitrarily. So th- this is a great thing. The Levi Colwell deal, as we noted in the Liverpool match review, good biz. Yeah. And it, right, well, that takes us to August, I was which gonna is say, a good thing, Brandon. Getting the photos done in Chicago again before they left, to your point, was was really good because it was it was blood in the water for a while and it was a little uncomfortable. So, yeah, it, it was very important. Well, Brandon's favorite bit of news in this whole cycle was that on the 1st of August, reports indicated that Chelsea and Brighton were discussing Caicedo and now also speaking about Robert Sanchez. This is when the conspiracy theory started being circulated that if Chelsea would take Sanchez off of Brighton's hands because Caicedo had a sell-on fee, much like the one that we agreed to, that they would be more lenient. Again, similar idea of leniency within the negotiating process. On the third, we actually agreed to that fee, 20 million with add-ons of five, taking it to a maximum of 25 million pounds. 
And then on the 5th of August, Chelsea said, hey, we're also going to make contact with Tyler Adams' camp to explore a cost and deal terms, which ends up as a part of this too. And then on the 6th of August, Brandon, we start to get a little bit more to Zerby and we get notes that Caicedo is not going to feature in the squad for Brighton's friendly. Eh? Yeah, it started to stack up. It got to be real obvious that, that um, as Deserby would say, uh, things have changed at that point. That was a very clear inflection point, I would say. Yeah, he said that uh, if Moises leaves, we'll find another point player. If Moises stays, I'll be happy. It's not my problem, <laughs> which is very much actually your problem as the manager. But okay. On the seventh, we find out that Chelsea are back in direct talks. Again, what those direct talks are, who knows? On the ninth, though, Southampton gets a formal offer from Chelsea for Lavia, 48 million, including add ons. And that starts. The whole bit of craziness that we've run through from the 10th, which is when in the very early parts of the morning in U.S. time, later in the day in the U.K., we found out that Liverpool would be joining the race for Moises Caicedo with a formal bid planned in the evening. Brighton makes it known that there's a bidding war. Brighton submits their bid, and then Brighton is set to accept. Liverpool books the medical for the next day. They've not agreed to terms with the player or his camp, and there's confirmation that evening as well that Chelsea's bid was $100 million, which is why there was the delta of the $10 million. So there was a lot of us thinking, maybe as supporters, that, well, wait a minute, you know, 10% more. Is that really, like, an eight-year, nine-year contract? How much does that really matter? But Liverpool seemingly ahead of that point. But the reports are Chelsea's not going to give up. But, hey, you know what? Jurgen Klopp, the morning of the 11th, just felt no issue and no problem having a bit of conversation about this, saying, uh, I got told I can confirm the Moises Caicedo deal is agreed with the club. With the player, we'll have to see. Medical today? I can't tell you. I don't know. We give it a go, and the club have really stretched it, to be honest. Nick, it, thoughts on that one? Did you enjoy don't that moment? say. Now? Well, I mean, they stretched the truth um, is what they did there. But, uh, but you know what? That's fine, because at, at the end of the day, Dan, uh, Whatever Klopp's sour grapes are, as sour as sour gets, perhaps a little salt on there. Uh, it didn't happen, turns out, because we woke up the next morning to, I believe in our Big Brains group chat, 75 messages. And I was like, well, surely something has happened now. Well, just the fact that Caicedo was rejecting the idea of going to Liverpool. That's right. He couldn't dream about doing it which again is already giving him a little bit of a cult status and cult following here at Chelsea Football Club. On the 11th, Chelsea halt the Adams deal to go focus on this. Medical's already been done. There'd already been here we goes about the deal. So that ends up getting scrubbed in favor of focusing on Caicedo. We get the reports yesterday on the 12th that Chelsea are still in contact with Caicedo and that the it looks like Liverpool may walk away from the deal, but they don't necessarily want to pull out of it completely, and that the Caicedo deal would be valid through the if, through 2032 with the option. And then we find out that on the 12th also that other clubs are looking at Tyler Adams now, like Brighton. Shock. Shock. Yeah, the, the Tyler Adams thing's an interesting mechanism, along with Lavia in this, right? It's like a triangle of... of destruction if you will because when Chelsea bid for Adams it almost felt like that was the push that was needed to get Brighton back to the negotiating table what I didn't understand is why we then 
outbid Liverpool for Lavia because it started them into the negotiation, essentially. At least that's how it felt from the outside. I don't, I wasn't in the boardroom, but like you got all these bids going on. It was like we pissed off two clubs at once and then. Uh, one of them came directly after the player. The other one was tough negotiating with the player because they wanted Tyler Adams. And we'll probably get Tyler Adams, to be honest. Um, so it's it's a very interesting methodology at the end to kind of just bid for all three and agree terms with basically all three and then finally get this this one that you really wanted, the most expensive one over the line. I mean, you had to play a little bit of... Um you know, dark arts or, you know, play, play the different options as well, because, you know, Liverpool, either you go after their primary, if they take our primary back and forth, you know, cloaks and daggers of, of trying to get everyone lined up and also squeeze the market. I would say that once Liverpool got involved, I thought Chelsea did create a lot of chaos for uh, multiple teams that were potentially trying to get involved and also made their lives harder knowing that if they were going to go after uh Casado, we we're going to go after Lavia and inflate that price as well at a minimum. So, you know, Liverpool could very well, um, you know, have to pay an inflated fee now because of the, the deal they did, because at the end of it, Dan Lavia is on the market. Who is not? Moises Casado is done dusted and ready to go play for Mauricio Pochettino and Chelsea Football Club. The announcement videos are going to be incredible. I hope that they can do something similar Tigs. to the one. Oh. Well, I mean, look, I'm talking about the official one where like they got the rappers from Argentina involved in the World Cup who were yeah, like that, something like that would be really really special, I think, to welcome in and into the side. But in general, it was a crazy saga. I just want to make sure we memorialized it on the podcast so that we had it to look back on when we've won our six Champions League with him and Enzo, and we just go back and reflect upon how how much pain we were in going through it at the time, Nick, (laughs) but how much we're enjoying the positive benefits of it in the future. I'm not enjoying you karma-ing us in a negative way, Dan, but but thanks for that. Seven? I mean, don't. Stop doing it. (laughs) Stop it. Um, yeah, look, I mean, that is eight months. It took eight months for us to finally get this over the line. Obviously, it's an incredible amount of money, right? It's the largest transfer in in, in, in British history. Um, obviously, the player's talented. Um, I made the suggestion to the, to the Big Brains uh, WhatsApp that my favorite preferred style of intro video would just be him training at Cobham with the team and with there being a tagline of getting back to work enough talking. That would be it because that would show the workmanlike character that I believe him to be. Well, we will flashy. It's not marketable, but it's what I want. Well, medicals on Monday, it sounds like, so I'm sure something will come out pretty soon after. So uh, hope you have, have enjoyed Dan's timeline. Again, you should see the notes. There's a lot left out. Uh, but we're going to take our last ad break. When we get back, there's still work to do. Hate to say it. So thank you to the sponsors, and we'll be right back.
With the busy fall season just around the corner watching endless amounts of Premier League football, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, you'll eat well, and you'll stay on track with your healthy, healthy lifestyle. You can refresh your healthy habits without missing a beat because you can choose from over 34 weekly flavor-packed, dietitian-approved meals ready to eat in two minutes. If you're too busy running around, during the day to think about lunch, keep your energy up with the lunch to go effortless wholesome meals like grain bowls, salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. So head to factormeals.com forward slash London is blue 50 and use code London is blue 50 to get 50% off. That's code London is blue five zero factormeals.com forward slash London is blue five zero to get 50% off. All right, so uh, while this is great, and the Seeker Scout says that Moises Casita represents right the game today, invited to watch within the ownership box, that should be a really big clue to what was going down. <laughs> says that Chelsea, and obviously the Seeker Scout was seemed to be very up on all of the details with this Moises Casado. Uh, so they've gone to say Chelsea will also try to conclude moves for Romeo Lavia and Michael Lise. Still way to go on those moves as Chelsea look to complete the squad, which is crazy. Uh, the Lavia deal is still out there, kind of kind of rumbling, which is weird. But it sounds like, Dan, it's going to be at the cost of a Connor Gallagher it, they they seem pretty directly tied to each other. But even Baseman, who we, every time we go to London, love to see them pop up in the back of the, the Cock Garden. Um, he's even like... He's a pop up and cock in the same sentence there, huh? Yeah. Okay. I <laughs> bold, mean, bold strategy, Cotton. Okay. Sorry, cock kids. Tavern, if you Sorry, like couldn't, clarification. Couldn't, couldn't let it go. That's my immaturity coming through. That's fine. He uh, he said that Lavia seems properly unnecessary at this point. So uh, I don't know, Dan. What what do we think? Scream it from if the rooftops, Dan. Scream it from the rooftops. If you're saying that he's the backup to Caicedo versus Gallagher, I sure. I guess it makes sense. I think that we have other needs that are still super pressing. Uh, we'll talk about the fact now that I mean, look, we we haven't talked about it on the official pod yet because we haven't released it yet, but. Kepa's on loan to Real Madrid for the season after rejecting Munich and Tuchel. Like, we are now starting Sanchez, who we thought would be very firmly the number two and not be pushing for first-team minutes. Like, feels like to me maybe spending that Lavia money on a goalkeeper would be a really good idea. Just a thought. You thought he wouldn't be pushing for first-team minutes. Others of us did. Uh, You know, the point is they're probably never going to play together, Nick. You still have Santos and Guchukuo on the books as well. So, again, like... That would, I mean, yeah. if you highly rate these players, Mugachuk would probably go in alone. Santos was kind of on the bubble. Lavia seems like another blocker with a bunch of money that you don't have to probably spend because they're not going to play next to each other. As we saw today, <laughs> Enzo, he's he's a free roll. You just need someone to lock it down behind him. Yeah, my my issue with Lavia is not that he is not a talented player. Every you know, I think there is a bunch of scouting, you know, stuff Sab says came out with a great thread today. We know that, you know, Sam, CFC Central's talked about Lavia before. Like there is a clear talent there. The issue is the team construction, where you spend the funds in relation to what the team needs. There is not infinite money. FFP will stop us from spending a bajillion dollars, right? So if you think about what the team needs, I did a bunch of player radars on Friday. Yes, Connor's player radar and and Lavia's player radar are are not the same. 
Connor has not historically been a six, so it's impossible to compare. He did some pretty good stuff against Liverpool. Would he be a serviceable backup in that role with a flex that can make him a number 10 if we wanted to be more aggressive in our pressing than we already are? Yeah, I think that's a, there's a really great player there, and he's already yours for the cost of $0. He's already yours. Uh, Leslie Ugochukwu and Lavia's player radars are very similar. They're both 19 years old. Like there, I don't know if there's a significant upgrade except for Premier League experience on you know, on Laviex compared to what Ugo Chukwu can do. And Ugo Chukwu gets in at the end, John Obi Mikel style against Liverpool helps shore up shop. Right. And, and my final radar was, was just kind of showing the, the difference that Tyler Adams would have brought. Obviously he's not going to be at the club now. And, and I understand that and a little disappointed in that, frankly, but like Tyler Adams is a pure DM. Like he eclipses Lavia in all of the like tackling interception statistics and all that sort of stuff as well. So like if you already have a 19 year old Duku Chukwu and you already have uh, Connor Gallagher in the team, it just with everything else that we need to do, including replacing uh, Nkunku's goal contributions is something that I think we're glossing over a little bit because the attack wasn't necessarily super fluent today against Liverpool, like the goalkeeper, the number 10 ish replacement, like those seem like higher priority things to me, Dan, than another central midfielder when you have Santos, when you have Uguchuko, when you have Calder. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Well, so jumping in, you defend here's where I come as like definitive needs. To your point, we have a lot of midfielders and flexibility within the midfield. Um goalkeeper, absolutely. Uh and a wide attacker, Elise makes sense, but he's not gonna come in healthy. And then I was gonna say forward but it sounds like David Washington is coming in. Does he go right into the squad? Is it David Washington and Broya backing up Jackson? I don't really know. It's not going to be Mason Burstow. So that's kind of where, where we stand. As you look at the, the squad composition that we've been going through for the last two weeks, as this window's heated up, um, you could still lose probably two players, three players out of this entire squad and still need a goalkeeper, a wide attacker, and a striker. Oh, there's a bunch in the squad that are going to go, right? I think the the question I have is you have a player like Kudus out there who I am very high on. I will not back down from that. Very high on Kudus. The uh, <laughs> Dan Steele and fire alarm. This is amazing. <laughs> uh, it's too hot in the transfer window for Dan. The building's uh, going up. Um, but, um, so you have that, you also still haven't seen, you still haven't seen our right side at full fitness. We haven't seen Matawake yet this season. We know that Matawake can play center forward. He's played center forward before, but is primarily operated on the right wing. Is there positional flexibility there with him potentially backing up Nick Jackson? I don't know, but it would seem like bringing in the Nkunku goal replacement would be requisite and the goalkeeper would be requisite. So unless there's going to be a hell of a lot more sales that we don't know about, that's kind of where I'm at. Well, uh, there's still rumors out there, but there's definitely, you could see two to three positions that Chelsea do need. Uh, we're we're going to have to keep an eye on, but you know, from everyone we've talked to, this is certainly not done. This window is actually, if anything, just heating up, which is crazy to think. So uh, we're going to wrap there. Caicedo done. Never in doubt. Absolutely love to see it. 
Uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, <laughs> wrap there. Match review coming at you guys next. We squeezed this one in, so hope you've enjoyed it. Match review, like I said, coming up later today. Uh, we had to enjoy the Liverpool results. So anyways, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.